Hello, welcome to Clergy and Callers Getting Coffee. Today, my special guest is the Reverend Evan Hansen, who is the pastor of North Presbyterian Church in Elmira, New York. Evan is a graduate of Princeton Theological Seminary, and he hails from the West Coast of the United States, mm -hmm. where prior to entering ministry, Evan was a divorce attorney, though grew up in the church because you are also a preacher's kid. I am. Like myself, there are many, there are many of us out here. So welcome, Evan. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be here. And uh, I, I did um, get to see your little, your little coffee mug that you're drinking out of. So what does it say? I can't read the writing on this. Yeah. So it's, it says it's official. You're awesome. Uh, and uh, I, uh, this is my office mug um, because I got it my first October here at North Presbyterian Church. They uh, surprised me and they said, here, this is something for Pastor Appreciation Month. I, I had never heard of Pastor Appreciation Month. I had spent like almost my entire life in the church, not even just like in like the church I grew up with my dad, but like as the pastor, but in like different congregations. And no, this was the first time I'd ever heard of Pastor Appreciation Month. And so, um, yeah, it, it's cool. Um, I like it. It's a good office mug. And it's also um, on those days where you're like, why am I doing this? Um, you know, it's sometimes nice to look down and go, you're awesome. I'm like, okay, I'll work with them. I'll work with that. No, it's nice to be appreciated. It is. Yeah, I mean, and, and to do that and to be appreciated. So I'm glad, I'm glad they uh, introduced you know, some made all made up holidays aren't bad. You no. know, it's nice. It's nice that the somebody in the calendar world went, you know what, we really need to remind everybody to be kind to their staff. So here's officer manager appreciation day. And here's your boss appreciation day. And here's, I love it. So what was horrible about that, though, is that <laughs> when I was a partner at a law firm. They don't have a lawyer appreciation day, do they? No, but they have boss appreciation day. When yes. you're a partner, yeah. you're the boss. And so, um, yeah, so our staff would do that. And then our staff would also do staff appreciation day because we'd all forget. That's the bad part. It is the bad part because. You made them bake their own birthday cake. No, 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 no. Now, their <laughs> birthdays were different. Their birthdays, okay. we, birthdays, we found out what, uh, it was a, it was a thing every birthday um the whoever was um one of the staff or the office administrator uh would go find out what kind of cake they wanted so mine was uh like carrot cake i love carrot cake yes um and do you like so, real do you like raisins in your carrot cake or are you like anti-raisin in the carrot i am cake? not anti-raisin um i grew um i spent uh a part of my childhood in this place called reedley california which is in the Central Valley, which is right next next to, uh, I think it's like, now I have uh, California next to the uh, raisin capital of the world. So I grew up with raisins as like being awesome. Uh, so no, I, I do the raisins. They're fine. I'm just now in my head is just the commercial. Doom, 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 doom. Isn't that, wasn't there, that was yes. heard it yes. through the grapevine? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, sorry, sorry, that's a- No, it's, it's all right. Um, and so, yeah, so um, one year, I also really like uh, lemon meringue pie. That is like a real, uh, a real good choice. So, 
Um, so yeah, and so all the staff, not just the partners, but all the staff, we would we would have birthdays. And if they lined up, we didn't skimp. So if one was one week and the next, we had cake both days. Um, it, and and so we did do those kind of things. It was when um, it was when the like the boss appreciation day or uh, administrative assistant secretary pre when those days started coming up and and they're not on my calendar they're not on my radar um because i'm not paying attention to that um that's when they get a little bit more dicey um yeah yeah yeah, yeah uh, but it's anyway it's nice to be appreciated it is. and uh some of those ways i mean i think um you know, ways that we can say thank you, drop those little notes to people and tell them that we see them and they're welcome are really important habits. I mean, for me, they're habits in order to keep my, um, they're ways for me to like practice the ministry of gratitude. So they're very important. So what are, um, what are some of those ways that you do that? What are ways that you refuel or recharge For myself, mm-hmm. um, so I think there's no one way to do it. Um, some days it's um, I need to take a long. I'll take a long walk, um, uh, and sometimes those walks will involve like conversations with friends, um, like put in my ear pods and go. Uh, other days it will be like listening to music um, and just walking. I generally, there's a really big, beautiful cemetery near where I live. So I go walking through the cemetery all the time. Oh, that's uh, cool. It is. It keeps you grounded. Um, and uh, also, I also find things like, um, I actually find reading theology to be, um, can be, can be at times. Clearly, uh, your library behind you says that. Yeah. Like, you like to read. I do. I do like to read. Um, and so it can be restorative. Um, sometimes also journaling. I, um, for this particular Lent, um, I don't like Lenten practices. Gener- I mean, I don't like them because I'm usually not really good at them. So because I'm not good at them, I'm like, yeah, no. Um but this one, I'm trying something a little different. I'm actually trying to do stuff that is creative. Mm. Um, and so I have a, um, I used to write poetry. It was not good poetry. I'm not making any claims, but I do like words and I like using words to um, express things. Obviously I preach, uh, but I also like to do it in a little short form. So okay. like haiku, uh, haikus or like just short poems, short poems or short form. I am not doing iambic pentameter or haikus okay. um, because that would require me to count syllables. And I always forget the how many. Well, I mean, right. I just. Forget. So. Uh, yeah, so that's that's sort of what I do. Um, and are you using something like are you just setting time aside every day to be creative and just like be intentional about that or are you using like prompts like sometimes there are art prompts or whatever like for advent and there was one I did where they gave you a word every day 
And so you just reflected on that word and I did like a, like a photo, right? I did, a, I allowed that word to sit with me and think of what came up during that time. And then, you know, I, I mean, I, this was a social media thing, so I shared it, but uh, I shared the, the way that that word appeared for me every day. So are you using a prompt or are you just? It was really brilliant to use a prompt. Um, Lynch is not over. Evan. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so um, no, I don't generally use prompts. I do try to set aside time. Mm. Um, that quite honestly has been one of the, um, one of the things I've relished about being, doing pastoral work. It's also one of, uh, my biggest struggles with pastoral work. Mm. Um, so as you mentioned earlier, I was a divorce attorney, right? For like 14 years about. And so I lived life measured, um, in six minute increments. Um, and we made money when you build, right? Mm -hmm. It's an art. Um, and uh, when you're trying to maximize the productivity and monetization of your time, it uh, it can it can sort of warp one's uh, sense of time, actually, yep. um, and sense of presence and being. Um, and so. One of the things that I've tried to work with as in doing pastoral work um, is trying to actually sort of sit back and not constantly think what's next, what's next, what's next, mm. and try to measure myself by how productive I've been. Um, sometimes it's easier than others. Like, like when you go do one of those visits that lasts an hour and a half, there's yes. afterwards, there's no sense of like, oh, that was a waste of time. It it was just delightful, right? That's yeah. why I do this job. I mean, that's people say, oh, it's so wonderful you take. I'm like, this is fun. <laughs> this is the fun part. Don't you understand? Yeah. And I get and not for all clergy. That is not the fun no, that's part. True. For all it's true. But but yes, for me too. I love it. I love those visits. I mean, there was a reason why I never wanted to do family law and I was also really good at it, which is people, right? Uh, people. I like people. And um, and family law is one of those places where you have to like people. Um, you don't have to, but it works better if you do. Um, and so I like spending time with a lot of people. I like spending time with people and doing these things. So, but then when it comes to like trying to take time to ground myself, that means it's much more difficult because I have this incessant like voice in the back of my head saying, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. So um, what I've started- So you're not worth your time. Well, I'm you working on- You wouldn't say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on that concept. Um, it, it certainly helps that my billing rate now is far lower than it was. Uh, so, but, so I actually spend every- I come into the office um, in the morning um, before eight o'clock. That is also part of my routine. It just is um, because I would go to the op my own law office um, sometimes at 7.30, 7.15 in the morning because the phones wouldn't ring, right? There's mm -hmm. no one there. Um, and I could sort of like goof off a little bit and get myself like in a place where by the time it's eight o'clock, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't go that early now, but I show up. I light a candle usually, and I sit down and I read and I do some reflection 
for 20, 30 minutes in the morning just to sort of like set the tone. Some days it works really well. Some days it's like um, I'm doing everything to but doing it. So I'm trying to avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. um, but even on those days, I make a practice of trying um, and, and just also understanding that there's going to be days where, um, especially weekdays where there's lots of things going on, like there's a funeral or other things like that. This time may feel really um, extravagant, um, but you got to spend a little bit of time, just, just a tad. You don't, you don't, maybe not 45 minutes, but you got to get some time in just to ground yourself before the day starts. Well, I mean, it's interesting. The things that you're, you're talking about are in interesting for me. Like, uh, I mean, you're, you're a parent as well. I always find it intriguing what I, uh, what I have chosen to teach, what lessons I hope I'm teaching my kids, recognizing that I'm teaching them several things I'm still unaware of, and they'll go to therapy later for that. But, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but you know, may, or maybe, maybe, but, um, but there are some that I'm like, I really want not only to model this sort of thing for my kids, but I really want it. I, I'm really hoping I'm teaching it. And one of those is, is you're kind of mentioning is just the consistency. Like, I think that consistently doing stuff sometimes is a better bar for me. Cause like some, you know, otherwise the bar, like you're saying, like, is this worth my, you know, is this six mm -hmm. minutes? Was that worth the money you're getting paid for? So that pressure of um, productivity and all that kind of stuff that sometimes I'm like just consistently doing it. So just consistently taking the walk every day is better than not taking the walk, even if it's not my best walk, even if it wasn't, you know, so taking 30 minutes, 45 minutes to work out every day is very important, even if it's not my best practice, you know, even if I didn't do it all well, I didn't reach a new personal record. Most of the times I don't reach a new personal record, but that like level of uh, consistency. And the other thing that you your sort you you have mentioned is that I I want there is nobody I spend more time with than myself. Mm -hmm. So doing things that help me feel centered and grounded so that I enjoy the person I'm spending time with. <laughs> Whatever those practices can be and and I, it sounds like it's similar like the centering and grounding makes me more aware so I can better advocate. Like I, I'm aware so I can know when my, my body, I'm like, oh, there's a cramp in my leg, you know? But if I, if I don't take time, then there's just a cramp in my leg and I just ignore it all day long versus going, ah, yeah. oh, maybe now's a good time to get up and stretch. But that spending time with, you know, learning how to like yourself and love yourself is, is a, huge spiritual practice and getting ways to explore different sides of our personality. And I'm, I'm excited that you're exploring this creative side during Lent. Yeah. I also think though, to go back a little bit on what you're talking about, we don't often talk about discipline anymore as pastors. It, it's, it's like the S word, right? Um, we don't talk about sin and we don't talk about discipline because it seems like those are things that people, um, because discipline often means sounds like punishment, right? Yes. 
You're disciplining you. Well, yeah, that's, that's, I, I'm, no, you're punishing me. <laughs> um, I think though, that one of the things about consistency is, especially in a world where um, it seems like it always has to be fresh. It always has to be new. It always has to be um, worshiptainment. Um, uh, I just came up with that word yesterday, or at least I think I came up with it. I don't know if I really did. I might have it's borrowed it from somewhere else. Brilliant, though it is but, brilliant. And I do want to ask you when you're when you're done with with this because I want to hear where where your thoughts are going. But I am very curious as you identified yourself as a word person to see what are some of your favorite words and what are words that just make you go, ugh, I wish people would use that less. But worshiptainment, that's, that's it. I, I mean, you could honestly create a meme and get it going. Like, so thank I'm you. Not, so, but I think part of it is surrendering, right? Part of learning to, I think, at least for me, learning to like myself, love myself, is also to surrender not only to myself, but to the reality of where I live or what I'm doing. Um, and I think that also means um, from a theological point of view, um, you know, surrendering to God in, in many ways and trying to figure out what does that mean in my context and what does that mean here? Um, because how am I supposed to, someone brought this up the other day, like, how am I supposed to love myself if, um, you know, uh, love someone else if I don't even love myself, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think sometimes we're always chasing, 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 chasing. I'm not saying that worship shouldn't have, um, be engaging. I actually think it should be engaging. I think the engagement of worship, um, and I might be wrong, and maybe I am. I think some of the engagement of worship is that we need to make it more, um, when the word I'm looking for is like, um, we need to have, involve more people. It needs to actually be more like um, a dialogue instead of like me or someone else just standing up there. There has to be some interaction. Mm -hmm. um, now, I don't think I'm going to get call response going on with um, with Presbyterians, and that's all right. Um, but I do think that um, of, of trying to figure out ways to pull people out into and have meaningful interaction with worship instead of it becoming passive, because often it can seem to be passive. Yeah, um, it's not supposed to be, but, you know, um, we always look for ways to make it passive. So go ahead. So one of the things that I, um, that I just did and, uh, you know, granted I had to do it cause it was a homework assignment, but I really like, it was really good. And it's, I, it has encouraged me to think of ways to do it again. And it's doing a communal reading of the scripture. Hmm. So doing that, because it would elicit dialogue and engagement in in lieu of like a, a written and or what performs, I guess, is what you're saying, sermon might be more helpful in, in terms of might be more engaging and not to do it all the time, but to every once in a while be like, you know what, this is a text. Maybe it's one that everybody's so familiar with. 
that you're like, I really don't have another sermon on this text right now. The spirit is not guiding me. Like I have no new perspective. It's the same thing that I've done before. So let me do something else. It might be more, it's not that the text doesn't have value, um, but the value might be in engaging with the text through a different framework. And that framework might be more of a communal reading of the text where you read the text in a variety of translations and ask other people sort of many of the ways that we might prepare for a sermon um, ourselves to write it out, but giving them you know, some of the background context if that comes up to say, well, of course, this is what so-and-so was talking about because this was the system that was there at, at the time. But I, I think as much as we want to be creative, I, I don't know how often we are encouraged to play as adults because they're, you know, I mean, just in general, adult culture is not as encouraged to play as children no, no, we're not encouraged to play. And in fact, um, and part of that is that we're not encouraged to use our imagination. Mm. Um, I, I really actually think that um, when Paul was uh, doing his spiritual gifts out, like in Galatians, he really missed out with not adding imagination to that. Um, but it's part of the vows now, right? Yeah. Oh, no, that that actually is my favorite one. It's, you know, I like the energy, da, 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 da. but imagination, imagination, because it means there's play. There's... Well, I guess for non-Presbyterian or churchy people, we should probably say which vow questions we're talking about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so if you're, um, if a person's being ordained, either as a, a minister of word and sacrament or ruling elder, I think even a deacon. Um, there are certain things that you promise to do, and one of them is to serve the people with, what is it, love and energy, uh, creative something, humor, something like that in imagination, mm -hmm. imagination. Um, and someone, I was listening to someone um, speak, and they said something that really, um, hit me which is imagination is the ability to see the world in a way that is different from the reality that is around you and and i think as christians that's what we're called to do right as followers of christ we're called to see the world differently than the reality that surrounds us and whether that's um apocalyptically i'm not going to go there quite but but really but also just sort of like the sense of hope right mm -hmm. um to to see where there is hope where quite honestly if, if i'm going to look at it objectively what hope what hope mm. um we live in a world full of um full of of, of just quite honestly insane ideas and i use that seriously like our nuclear policy because i studied politics in college our nuclear policy is based upon us having enough nuclear weapons to deter someone from firing nuclear weapons because they can't get all of ours so we have just enough to make their lives miserable if not wipe them off the face of the earth too that's the reason we have so many of them that's why there was a race was it wasn't because it, it was 
basically, if you build up enough of them, no one's going to mess with you because you can destroy them just like they can destroy you. That's mm. insane. So mutual assured destruction. It literally, it's, it's mad. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it certainly isn't the way I would say Jesus set us up to proceed. No. Nope. was not mutually assured destruction but like mutually assured hope <laughs> yeah mutually assured hope that yeah so i think imagination in that sense you know we often play it off as like oh kids looking up and seeing purple skies with orange clouds well sometimes depending on the sunset you can have some purple hues with orange clouds mm-hmm. um and and what my favorite what, color combo by the way you just nailed it that's my favorite color combo is purple and orange you didn't know that but now I you did do. not know that but what's wrong with imagining a future that's different? Mm. I mean, we do it all the time. That's in part what makes relationships work, right? You're imagining yeah. a world that is different, one where this person is part of your life um, in a way that is life-giving and also um, wonderful. Otherwise, you're imagining them as your enemy. Um, so yeah, I think imagination is important. And we sort of we don't let adults do it. We say, well, you have to stay in the real world. Well, the real world's pretty depressing, actually. It um, can be, yeah, certainly. It yeah. can be. It's also incredibly beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. It's incredibly beautiful. And so I think it's sort of teasing out where's the hope. And, and I think for me, one of the things that, um, why do I have hope? I have hope because of resurrection. That's it. That's what I got. That's what I got. Because that means God, God wins. And, and that there, I can work with that. Um, because I certainly, I certainly am not going to, I, I certainly don't have the power within me to change the world. Mm. That, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a really beautiful picture you've just uh, painted you know, that, um, you know, I was, I I had finished a book called, what was it called? I'm not going to remember the author, by the way. Someone's going to have to Google it. It's called the wisdom of Jesus. I'm really bad. I am so good with like actors and actresses and movie titles. And I suck in every other genre with remembering who wrote that, (laughs) who, who sang that terrible. I mean, I guess your mind only has so much capacity. Which artist is this that looks so familiar? It's Picasso, Leah. Oh, right. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I digress. Um, but it talked about, particularly the the point of resurrection is, um, I mean, in one passage, it's that the people who were present didn't know that that was going to happen. And yet they still knew who Jesus was. And so it's interesting, like, what does that mean to you, I guess, instead of what does it mean to this author? I thought it was an interesting question. What does the idea of, what does the, what is the power of resurrection? Is it, is it that hopeful future? And what if that weren't, I mean, I realize it happened, but what what does that mean? How does that change the framework then 
into which you live a life. Cause you're talking about that. Like that was a moment you can't un unsee. You can't un, you know, it changed the hue in your, in your glasses, right? That's the way that you see the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that look like? What is a, what does a world look like where you are living, knowing that you're a, knowing that Christ is resurrected? Scars. Mm. Scars. And the well, reason you're just not, you're not holding back. That's, that's, no, a, no, that's vivid. Scars. And the reason I say scars is because it means our stories have value, mm. right? Um, and it means that the lives that we live have value and what and have impact. Um, mm. I think Thomas gets a bad rap um, on so many different levels, but yeah. I think Thomas had to see the scars. And I think the scars are what makes it real, right? Mm. Um, it, it's what makes this world, it makes what it is what makes our lives matter. Because if we didn't have scars, if Christ didn't have scars, well, then what's the point, right? You know, it, 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 it's just like a restart, but it wasn't a restart. It was resurrection. It was different. And I think that means for me healing. It's not cure. It's healing because mm-hmm. healing always involves scars. And that's yeah. just because I've had lots of surgeries. And so I have lots of scars, uh, but they're there. And they're a reminder of they're a reminder of my past and and sometimes reminders of my failings, sometimes reminders of things that I had no control over. Sometimes it's just a reminder of the story of my life. And I think scars are important. Um, I mean, one, we all have good scar stories, right? Um, but two, and we all like to hear good scar stories, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we like a little less blood or a little bit more, you know, but, you know, yes, you, you yes. know your audience. But, know, know your audience, yeah. Um, and sometimes what's funny about scars is that there isn't even a really great score story. Like, I have a scar on my calf from when I would jumped over a fence, um, a chain link fence and scraped it through my jeans. That hurts so much. Yeah, it is a stingy cut. That is a stingy cut. It is, and but the thing is, though, it's it. The only reason I jumped over the fence was because I decided to jump over the fence instead of go through the gate. It was stupid. The gate was just like ten feet away. It, there was nothing like consequential. There was not. It was not like oh, right. I was running from a dog or no. It was hey, this is a great idea. Let's jump over the fence. Let's see if I can jump over the fence instead of go through the gate. And then you went, this was a less than great idea. After a less you- than great idea. <laughs> after you landed. But at the same time though, it's it's something that seemed inconsequential at the time, mm-hmm. yet it sort of left me marked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think for me, the scars. Um, I mean, that's very interesting because I, I think a lot of like the pictures, right, to, to think of it as the scars, because I think a lot of the pictures and images is almost like, you know, Jesus with this halo of light around them, which is more transfiguration, right, than the resurrection. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that image. If that image is what you need, then there, there's like nothing wrong with it. But I, but I think it's interesting that 
yeah, these were, and these were, I mean, at that time, right. These are fresh wounds. These aren't like, this isn't like the buried scar that you can barely see anymore, which, you know, I have some of those from childhood well spent, right. A youth well spent. And, um, but there are others that they just like take time and some don't ever go away. And we don't, all our scars aren't healed the same way. And some it's those emotional scars as well, which is rather um, beautiful and, and not there, you know, there are times that you go. Um, I mean, I, I talked to God very candidly um, as I but some of my best uh conversations my prayer walks with god are are ones where god has a very sarcastic tone um in my head um but it's like god i am not sad that i learned that lesson but did it have to leave me with such a deep scar like one that just continues to come up even when i thought it's like healed like I thought it was gone and it's like oh no now you have to deal with this scar tissue that has just continued to grow under the surface and you're like I don't want to do I thought I was done dealing with it <laughs> you know but you're saying there's beauty even in that like that's an image of hope for resurrected people it's an image of hope because it means our lives have have meaning because if 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 there were no scars um if there were no scars, it would essentially mean that whatever happened before goes away. Mm. And But that's not what we see biblically, right? We don't see that in, um, we don't see that in, in, in the Old Testament. We don't see that in the New Testament. Um, we don't see that when uh, Jesus, uh, I think it was to the Sadducees said, uh, when God uh, gave his name gave his name to uh, Moses, he said he was the I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not I was. I mean, I had the I was part, but not I was. But this I am, which means that there's a that not only are we not forgotten, but that who we are has for God has value and worth. I'm not even going to talk about like, you know, some like ego side, but really for God, it has value and worth in who we are. And that's, uh, for me is, is beautiful. It's can be scary. Um, it can also be sort of liberating because a lot of us, I think, wonder, right? Mm -hmm. Why? I, I, and, and and I try when people ask me why I I'll listen for a while, but I'm sort of like, can we just like move on to how? Because the why question I can't answer that part. But we right. can talk about the how it happens. But the why part, um, you know, if you want, I have this whole library you could read, and you still won't, and and they'll still at the very end of the day say I don't know why. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so, I think part of it is to sort of for me it it means that what we go through it it is painful and it does mark us and so do our joys by the way so do our joys yes yes for sure and, and they also mark us and and that is a, that's what gives me hope that 
well, and I understand that some people are like, well, resurrect, you know, so I do believe in the resurrection. And if I didn't believe in the resurrection, I wouldn't do this because I'd be like, whatever. Um, and that means that God willing, there is a resurrection. Mm. And somehow I get to take part in that resurrection. That whatever that means, that it's me or it's it's God's uh, my story and who I am is part of that resurrection and it's not just like oh we're going to put some you know whatever it turns out to be oh this will just be a rep no 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 it's the story is still there yeah the story well, I, that's I mean even the the language like I often say I am so you are right God said I am so that we could say I am right. You yeah. are so that we are kind of together that the story is an ongoing story and we can be marked. You're, you're talking, you're, you're right. Like some of those scars are, are, are like, we can be marked or imprinted on in ways that give us joy. And I said, I was going to ask this question. So I don't want to not ask this question. Um, what then are those uh, words that have imprinted on you that you're like, this is these are, these are golden. Hmm. Um, that's a good question. I hadn't, I haven't, I mean, I thought about the Care Bear one, but I didn't think about this one. Um, oh, I'll get to the Care Bear one. Oh, I, no I <laughs> so one of the words that, um, one that has always impacted me once I've figured out what it meant um, is chesed. Mm. It's not an obviously an English word. It's that good old uh, Hebrew word for, and which is incredibly difficult to translate in any way, shape, or form that really actually brings out its like actual meaning. But this, <laughs> there's so many words like that. Yes, there's so many. But is this sense of like this deep, abiding, faithful, loving kindness of almost like a giving of self mm. to the person out of out of out of almost out of loyalty right it's and it's this sense of and it's this self-sacrifice of of love and in a way that is And, and you know, and there's covenantal aspects to it as well and all these things, but it is just this beautiful thing. Another one is, and I'm not even going to pronounce it, but there's this word in the Greek that literally means when uh, you feel this certain emotion, your like whole like um, your gut like literally clenches. Mm. Uh, and um, and uh, that one I really like um, because it means, you know, there's there's these emotions we have that just like utterly clenches. In English, um, I like the fact that we can splice words. <laughs> um, we're not as good as the Germans are. I'm just going to put that out there. Because uh, well, you speak some German, so that's a place of understanding. Do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And yeah, so no, we don't have words like schadenfreude, which, you know, is this beautiful word of like taking joy in other people's sorrow. Right. Um, in pain um 
Trevor the, Noah, I think it is, does this great bit on that in one oh, of yeah. the comedy specials. Oh, to, to, and and if if a per, it's a total tangent, but if a person really un, begins to understand the German mindset, it makes sense why you have this word, right? It makes it's a pretty cloudy place, um, and you know it. People get on each other's nerves. It it's it's. And, and it's also, there's an honesty to it. What I really like is that there's an honesty to it. It's not that they say it appro um, with approval. It's just an honesty about human nature that says we take joy in other people's pain. And uh, that there's also that. But so, but like the fact that we can do things and come up with weird terms that people understand like worshiptainment. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's, um, that's just these it's extraordinary right mm -hmm. uh, we don't have you know some uh like french french you know france has this uh essentially governing body that determines what is french and what is not french for language purposes um we don't have that Mm -hmm. The closest thing we have is like Webster's, you know, Merriam-Webster's dictionary and like uh, what the Oxford, you know, um, the Oxford dictionary. Those are the closest things we have. Are two like institutions that we put way too much trust in um, that are out there for profit. Um, the OED was my dad's Scrabble dictionary, which was hard as a kid because. Like that's a dictionary you look at. Now this was an old version because like I grew up a long time ago. There are many, many new words now. But oh, yeah. like you literally had it had a it had a drawer with a magnifying glass, so you could look at the words because that's how small that's how many words were in all the small yeah. print. So you just gave me flashbacks of my of yeah, my youth yeah because you were there probably trying to memorize all the all the words that began with Q because that's always the one that you know right or two letter words golden two, golden yeah. is travel so words I don't like um, I don't know if there is a word I don't like I think there are words. that cause people a lot of pain. Mm. And so those are the words that I feel that even if it doesn't cause me pain, mm -hmm. um, those are the words that I, I, I don't know how to say, I, want, I don't want to give it like a, a, a the, the history behind that word is so fraught with pain, suffering, um, and uh, often oppression and, uh, you know, and also, you know, degradation of, of people's humanity, that um, those are words that I avoid. Um, yeah. Out of respect for other people? Oh, absolutely. And mm -hmm. also out of respect for myself. Um, that sounds, may sound weird, but it's like, I don't, why do I want to go around saying words that are going to hurt, you know, yes. deliberately are going to hurt people mm -hmm. um, and cause offense? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, that's not, that's not who I am. Um, and that's not who I want to be. 
Um, and so, you know, there are always times when um, where one stumbles upon a word and you have no clue really what it means and you, and you say it and someone goes, whoa, 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 whoa. And you're like, oh. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> I did not know about that one. Right, so, but that's knowledge, right? Knowledge is that's that. knowledge. But I think once, once I, I think at a certain point, once you get to a point of knowledge and And it's it's sort of like, yeah, you have I, we you have quote unquote freedom, right? But it's not freedom from consequences, and it's not freedom from uh, people thinking you're a jerk. So, and if if that's what you want to do, great. But that's not that's not where I want to go. So. It's it's interesting. You're you're talking about the. Of freedom almost that like it's okay that we have scars but you don't really want to participate in helping to create them for other people no. unless they are places of joys right unless they're markings yeah. of of joy or or love or grace that there's there's a there's an intentional act of um you know sometimes i scripturally i think it's it's praying without ceasing right so being mindful of our actions and choices, which doesn't mean we never create harm, but that our intent isn't to create harm. And then being open enough, because sometimes I think what happens is we defend what we've done rather than being open to going, oh, oh, let me not do that. You know, let me, let me give, let me give you feedback or let me be in a relationship with you where actually be helpful <laughs> versus hurtful. You know, like I, I say sometimes about like my spouse is he is not the first person to say certain things to me about, right? His goal isn't to correct me or make me a better person. Those are my choices, whatever that means. <laughs> but like, but he says things sometimes in new ways that I can actually hear it for the first time. So then I pause and go, oh, well, I don't want to do that. I don't like that sounds hurtful. The way you just said it, I realized I don't, I don't, I don't want to proceed that way. Um, and and that, you know, is it's a, a reminder of being communal and that covenantal relationship is more important than getting all my needs met in the exact moment that I need to have them. Like more important, I guess, in my individuality, I would say it's probably a better way to say that. Yeah, but I, I think also this is where like grace comes in, right? For sure. Because, you know, I think part of it is to step back just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't need to help someone create scars. Um, they're going to do it just to, just, I mean, one. Life I'll is going to do it, right? Anyway, going to happen. So, you, know, I, it, you know, if I'm intentionally going about it, it's just going to be like threefold um, instead of like twofold. Um, and so, and also, I think sometimes when we do that, we also scar ourselves. And I, I can only, you know, not that I'm like pain adverse. I just want to be wise about it. Um but I also think, though, this is where grace comes in. And this is something that 
we don't really acknowledge, I don't think, all the time, which is. We being the church, we being clergy. Uh, we being church, clergy, people in general. Okay. Grace is also given is is grace is the ability to understand that maybe just maybe the person didn't mean for what didn't mean to hurt you the way you thought mm. and that maybe just maybe um if we approach it in a different way that we can go about it differently but great but it only works right if if the person doesn't have a reason to be defensive. Mm. Um, and so when we punish people or we, um, you know, intentionally go out of our ways to make it, um, uh, to dissuade people from actually admitting or listening when they've made a mistake, instead mm. hiding it and then all of a sudden like becoming incredibly defensive about it and say, oh, I didn't make it, because they know what happens if they admit it, right? all hell you know i mean it's just like yeah all hell breaks loose and um grace is giving people space to to acknowledge and learn without not without consequences but not without punitive consequences well There's you're talking not without assured mutual destruction <laughs> yeah, yeah right so so there's a difference between punitive being punitive and you know, saying, hey, you really hurt me. But I think people will be a lot less defensive if, if we didn't also like seek revenge, right? Well, I hurt you, so I get, you hurt me, so I get to hurt you. Well, no, that doesn't- Or work. I am hurting, so I'm going to hurt you. Well, that's true too, and we all do that. But, but I mean, but that, I mean, but- yeah, but yeah. that, I mean, that's, that's some of like that, all of that is punitive, right? It hurts me, hurts you, doesn't better, you know, it's certainly not bettering anybody, but um, yeah, you're right. Maybe we're not talking about, certainly our systems are still designed to be punitive rather than places of reconciliation. Um, I would like to think, I mean, our denominations model is to be a place of reconciliation. I think we're we're still learning how to do that. And there are places where we might need to spend a little more time denominationally doing that hard work because it is hard work to really reconcile, to be able to air all one's grievances and hear all the grievances being aired. Um it's 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 difficult right that's that's difficult and then to go yes yeah, we're going to proceed together in, with grace we're going to give each other some grace which doesn't mean we're going to walk away besties <laughs> no that never means that but if we think of like repentance like in its original idea of like you turn mm -hmm. grace is sometimes you're giving enough a person enough space to make a u-turn because if we don't give people space to make a U-turn and, and do it out of concern for the other person, it doesn't work. Um, I learned this as a divorce attorney. 
judges can't, I mean, not that they do anyway. Sometimes judges try to order people not to be jerks. It never works, <laughs> right? Um, so just do better. Just, just do, and, 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 they, and when I say this, I don't, I'm not trying to make fun of the judge because they're, they're really are trying because they're looking at these folks and just like, not that the judge is a, but just like people sometimes see a couple folks in front of them and they're just like, you know, I, I see what's going on. If you just stopped antagonizing each other, I'm not saying you have to get back together. No, never, don't. But just for the sake of your kids, if you just stop antagonizing each other intentionally, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I won't ever see you again, please. Yeah, just just pause. Just press just the pause, pause button. <laughs> just no, but I mean, we see that all. You know, that happens all the time. In uh, I mean, in it can happen in relationship. I mean, there are people that you're like, wow, that person really bothers me, and you might not even know why they're bothering you right but but as we were saying as you were sort of saying at the beginning that you know practicing the grounding all those skills help us increase our awareness so that we have a wider view versus this like narrow understanding i think sometimes we think narrow is the gate to the kingdom <laughs> but that does not mean our viewing should be narrow. Jesus's viewing was never narrow. His intentionality, like he walked a narrow path. It's not the same, but he saw everything. And that's those are very different images. It it is a very different image. And I think this is this is sometimes um we do I mean if we're going to go about this intentionally, we do walk a narrow path. Mm -hmm. Um because we're trying to balance a number of different things. We're trying to balance our, you know, wants with what our, what our needs are. I may want a brand new Audi um, A6, um, but, you know, I don't need a brand new Audi A6. I just need my car to run. Correct. Um, and, and seat warmers. Seat warmers are a need. Uh, here, here in upstate New York, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and so we have that internal dialogue of what's going on, right? But we also have to sort of balance what our needs are with each other. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that always struck me about John Calvin, and there's a lot of things about John Calvin that I'm like, no, John, no, no, John. no, don't, don't, don't. But one of the things that he did, what was actually mind-blowingly um, radical in my mind, was his some of his sermons on the Ten Commandments, um, and how he talked about um, hoarding mm. as theft. Mm. So this idea for John, because John Calvin, is, as you may recall, he has this really, really strong idea of providence and everything, you know, God's pretty much directing everything and he's, he has to figure out how the heck this works. And so part of his reconciliation of all these, these con conflicting things, like we have really, really rich people who are just horrible. And we have lots of poor people what's going on here why why would and for him 
part of what he's saying is that the rich people are stealing from the poor because the rich people are holding what God has given them to give to the poor. And now we can disagree about all, but his, his ideas about this were that for him, charity wasn't a, a, an offset. It was like, you give because God has given you life. Therefore, you are to give it unto someone else. Right. One of my favorite lines in one of his sermons was he talked about people who withheld wages of day laborers as half murderers. Oof. Because John, said, John was did not mince his words, did no, he? No, and, and quite honestly, people talk about social justice. I'm like, don't read John Calvin. Um, or don't read his sermons. Don't read his sermons, because let me tell you, his sermons on ethics and uh and kind of stuff. He did not approve of uh, violent overthrows of government, uh, but he also didn't approve of people holding on to things and abusing people. And he said it's half murder because that man, because of course, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that man needs that money. He needs his wages to be able to buy bread and drink. And if he doesn't have bread and drink, he will die. Therefore, you have caused his death by cheating him out of his wages. And so that kind of that kind of sense of um, interdependence mm. and and sense of relationship, um, I think is one of those things that we really need to, you know, sensibly cultivate because we're not an island unto ourselves. We're really not. No. Uh, and when we think of ourselves as- That was John Dunn, right? Not John Calvin. Yeah. That, or John Milton? Was it Milton? See, don't know. I don't know. And if it was John Dunn, he might've been trying to like, I wrote, uh, I actually liked John Dunn's poetry, but he was probably writing an island unto myself that you should come to my my lady so that we can <laughs> put it on. Uh, he wrote that all before, of course, he became a, a, a famous preacher. Um, but it's this sense of, my actions here affect other people. My love of this stupid phone yeah. affects other people because Apple, I know Apple isn't paying fair wages. That's why they're, yeah. you know, I mean, they make tons of money off of it, but I love it. And yeah. so there's a sense of how we don't like it, but how do we balance out the tensions that are inherent in our existence. And I think we don't do a very good job of it. I don't think we, and because it's overwhelming, quite honestly, it's it's really, which is why we need grace, mm -hmm. which is why we need grace. Because if we start to admit our mistakes and stop judging ourselves, I mean, there's a difference between judging and condemning. Right. Guilt and shame. <laughs> if we and shame, if we start admitting that, yeah, my purchase of Apple products, um, yeah, just like my purchase of like stuff from like you know Old Navy or anything else like that. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying anything that hasn't already been documented. The conditions of the places where these people work are horrible, um, and I'm helping perpetuate that. So instead of getting really defensive about it, I think we need to understand that 
maybe we have to make different choices. And I don't know what those choices are. And so don't, don't ask me why. Don't ask I, me I will not. I will not because I'm getting ready to ask you what your Care Bear belly symbol would be. Not, um, not your, uh, not our, your economic plan of equity and liberation, which yeah, is a whole different conversation, whole different for, conversation, which I, I look forward to having, to be honest. I, 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 I sometimes, you know, I sometimes go, yeah, I don't know how to fix the thing. I just, I just am telling you it's broken. Like it's not, it's broken because there are people that are being oppressed and hurt in the process. And that indicates that there's, there's a brokenness that needs to be addressed, but I might not be the person who has, I mean, I have ideas, <laughs> but ultimately if I don't have the skills, then those ideas result in my duct taping, right? <laughs> like that's what I, when my, and which, you know, band-aiding sometimes is what we need to do in triage situations, but having people who are skilled and, and again, intentional, which we talked about, who understand what a, um, a polluted water source does as it trickle, as it, as it filters out is important. And some of us can pay attention to the filtering out. And there are others who are skill setted to go, if we want to be really understand this whole system, then we need multiple workers, I guess. We do. And I don't think, I don't think that we, our human brains can't comprehend it. I mean, we can't, we can barely comprehend what's going on in our hometowns. For that I think Jesus said that to us. Like, you don't understand earthly things. How do I explain to you heavenly things? Like, yeah. Thank you. Last week's lectionary. Is um, that, was it? Was he? Yeah. I was using narrative that I didn't breach that one. But, uh, no, but I think also part of Part of it also is the sense of sometimes the solution isn't ours. Oof. Because if we look at most human solutions, mm. we often trade oppressed people with more oppressed people. So, like, yeah. You know, it wasn't like, you know, yes. Yeah, um, you know, the American Revolution. I, I like the country I live in. I really do. I There are times I don't, but for the most part, I really do. Well, that's um, any relationship, right? For the most yeah. part, we like it. But, but there are I times when you go. We traded oppression for oppression, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Communist Revolution, it traded oppression for oppression. Uh, the czars were horrible. So is Stalin. It, it this is this is what we do as humans when we try to tear down a system. All we do is we often bring people with us who then who we believed were oppressed or we are now seeking freedom. And to gain their freedom, what they do is they oppress someone else. Mm. And so I think sometimes the solution isn't ours. It is. I think to be conscious, I think it is to try to make choices. I think it's trying to um, determine what does it mean to love this person that I'm afflicting? Mm. And, and how do I do that as a person, as one person of like billions? 
but I also um, you know what Audrey Lord said you can't tear down the master's house with the master's tools mm -hmm. um, and I realize that's a paraphrase but she's absolutely and she's absolutely right there's no but and she's absolutely right and that's what I think is the hope of the gospel because the hope of the gospel is that Rome doesn't win mm. Rome doesn't win. The cross doesn't cross doesn't win. The tomb doesn't win. God wins. Right. But God's winning doesn't involve more tombs and more crosses. Mm. That I think is the part we don't always talk about. They're, which they're is, empty. Both of those places are empty now. And God didn't seek revenge. Mm -hmm. And so God's response to the cross was not more crosses or more tombs. God's response was life to the very people who created the crosses and dug the tomb. So that mm. I think is the part where I have hope because it says that I'm going to flail, right? <laughs> Do my best, you know, you know, it's like every time I go on Twitter, it's it's confirmation that, you know, John Calvin was right in some respects. And yes, human depravity, absolutely true. <laughs> um, and, but that's also, there's grace in that, right? Yes. There's grace in that because it says that my lack of perfection isn't the end. My lack of perfection isn't the end. It is not the cause of of all the it is not the cause of the ruin of the world it is the cause of the ruin of the world but it's not the cause i i i, I can't make the world i mean i can make the world in some respects like worse by doing things to people i love and other things and making their lives miserable but in the end it it, it is what it it I am who I am. You you are literally right now transitioning into my Care Bear question. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but it is the no. final question. And we are at time. I, I love this and I hate this because I, I could continue to talk to you for several more hours and, and, and drink more coffee and all of that. But I probably don't need more coffee. But you just transitioned into, right, that some of it is literally taking the gifts that you've been gifted by God, standing in the place where God has placed you, Mm -hmm. And shooting that love straight out to the world that you're connected to. And um, that's, that's, and healing, creating healing uh, along the way in this land of care a lot. So what is, Evan, your, what is your Care Bear belly symbol? And um, what color Care Bear are you? Which doesn't, I mean, it has as much uh, depth as you place in it. Oh, so um, I don't want to seem like I'm copying you, uh, but purple is my favorite color. It's a good it color. It absolutely is. Um, and I have toyed with other colors in the past, um, sort of like, I don't want to say dated them, but I, I always knew that purple was my favorite, but I always figured I'd you know, I probably should have a different one because it wasn't socially acceptable to have, you know, um, I had enough problems on the Montana playgrounds. I didn't need to say purple was my favorite color. It can um, be now though. Like live into it, it can now. Be now. It is. And I, and I, and I truly um, enjoy that. I think, 
So there's a story behind this. Um, in college, I, I participated in these um, in these retreats, college retreats done through the, I went to a Catholic school and, um, and uh, we had these, these retreats and and these and I participated in them as you know first as like as, as someone who went to it and then as leadership and all that fun stuff and at a, at a, a pre-retreat retreat we were having a discussion and people were supposed to use images to describe someone and then someone was supposed to guess um and it was my they were talking about me um and and I don't know how the whole thing worked but I was also in on it and someone else and someone said lighthouse and they said evan mm. i my answer was not lighthouse i never would have thought myself that way um but to everyone else in that group in that moment it made perfect sense to them and they're like that's perfect um i love lighthouses i think they're beautiful um, I think the the idea of a lighthouse is amazing, and they're often some in some of the worst places that you can have worst the worst weather, right? right. Um, so I guess the symbol would be that. I don't know how it matches though, because I think one of my spiritual gifts. Um, I, is I would say is probably gentleness. Mm. Uh, and that's a weird thing to say from someone who practiced family law for 14 years, but maybe it took 14 years to figure that out. Um, someone asked me what I, one thing that I did never, I never wanted to do again. And my answer was, I never want to be someone else's weapon again. Mm. And so there's gentleness in there. Um, I mean, a lighthouse does, it's designed in some ways is to gently guide things to the shore so they don't crash in. I yeah. mean, there are lots of ways you could you could do yeah. that. I mean, so yeah, so it'd be a lighthouse. It'd be a lighthouse. Um, probably not purple in the light because that doesn't work so hot for storms, right? But whatever the whatever the best light is, and um, and I think gentleness really. Um, because that involves so many other parts about it. Um, and I don't think I would have given that answer five years ago or even six years ago. Um, one of the things I really did learn um, as a divorce attorney was, um, it wasn't that I didn't like the work. I like problem solving. I like helping people get out of messes. Um, and let me tell you, I saw some really horrible messes. What I didn't like and what eventually drove me out um, was ultimately the stress of not being able to be myself, but to be someone's hired gun. And as much as I had to fight against it, after a while, the fight and the stress of the fight became too much. Um, and so I had to make a choice do I, um, and I was burning out. I was just burning out. I, it, it was pretty. You can't quick. shine as a lighthouse if you're burnt out, Evan, you just can't. Yeah. And so, um, and so it was pretty clear that, that as much as I enjoyed working with people, as much as I enjoyed sometimes even working with my own clients, and as much as I enjoyed a lot of the things that went into it, 
um, I, I, I couldn't be the person that they wanted me to be. And I happen to know what they wanted me to be because they'd tell me what they want to be and they'd say, this is why I'm paying you. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, I don't, being paid to be someone's weapon was um, a lesson. Well, now you're getting paid to be a lighthouse. And so thank you for sharing your spiritual gentleness with us. That's that hymn is going through my head now, but I, I will uh, spare people in listening to me sing it right now. Um, but thank you for your time and for being my guest. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This was wonderful. It was it was a delightful moment to be able to talk with you. And um, I, I really appreciate the invitation. So...